You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Terrific start. Got a lot of things to talk about. Bama baseball went down, well, <laughs> whole tough yesterday up in Winston-Salem, 22-5. to 5. Um, I know we'll be talking about it at length, and Robbie Glenn will join us in just a little bit. But the uh, fact of the matter is, Wake, Mo- Wake Forest is just a really, really good baseball team. Yeah, there were some calls on Saturday. I think we could all say it's questionable. But uh, Wake Forest, the number one seed, is advancing, and and rightfully so from the team that I saw. Uh, Already in, Wake Forest, of course, Florida, TCU, LSU, Oral Roberts, Virginia. A couple of games due today. But uh, there you already see a couple of uh, SEC teams in as well. So as we get big noon started, let's welcome in Lars Anderson. Lars, do you have a good weekend? Lars? I hear his air conditioning, but not his voice. Okay. So, we will continue on with things that went on this past weekend. The Birmingham Stallions defeated the Gamblers yesterday in Memphis 38-15. What an outstanding day at quarterback for Alex Magoo. He had three touchdowns, one running and two passing. So, uh, that was the difference there as the Stallions have now become the first team to qualify for the playoffs in a couple of weeks. They still have one more game remaining this coming weekend. Then there was uh, the Canadian Open. What was some fireworks there? And uh, Live Golf remains as uh, the Live PGA DP. Now, guess what? Um, The United States government is going to get involved. Okay, Lars, what's up in your world? No Lars once again, So. Anyway, uh, we can continue on best we can as we attempt to get Lars in. I don't know if you had a chance to see the end of the Canadian Open, but it was a playoff with Tommy Fleetwood. And I don't know if I've ever said this public on air in any form or platform, but I've always liked Tommy Fleetwood, uh, pulling for him to win a major um, and there he was in the playoffs yesterday. And Nick Taylor, who is a native Canadian, drills a 72-foot putt. And, and he didn't lip it in, bounce it off. It was dead. What is it, the movie? Dead Solid Perfect. But uh, it was good. And Tommy Fleetwood was so incredibly classy. And um, Nick Taylor won it. The crowd, just go back, if you will, and Google the, the, the 18th hole in the playoff and, and just look <laughs> at, at the crowd just goes berserk. Um, and then one of the security guards went berserk um, because um, Hadwin, another Canadian golfer, was running on to the champagne, you know, filled the sky there over 18, and boom! Uh, the security guard didn't recognize him, obviously, and tackled him right there on the green. I am sure 
there's going to be an issue uh, with the security guard because, I mean, he just, no holds about it. He just absolutely tackled another golfer that was in the field that was standing greenside. And um, I don't know what's going to happen to that security guard, but I imagine it's not very good. But, you know, Canadians are, uh, they're known for uh, their friendliness and probably they'll just write it off. I don't know. Uh, check again and see if I can get Lars up. Lars is not available. Let's see if we can't go ahead and go to a first break here, Kim, and figure out what's going on with some of our feeds here. So um, if you can um, roll up a break, then Lars and I can reconnect, and we can see if we can't get the, the Monday edition of Big Noon Sports off to a little bit uh better start so anyway we got a lot of stuff to talk about again i said robbie glenn will be with us at about 12 15 and then at 1 15 um i've gotten rick christopher longtime assistant coach with the bucks many of you remember him with i think it's close to 10 years that he was an assistant under watson brown at uab uh that's when i became really good friends with him and his family great people He's going to join us at 1.15. And then uh, Lars got to know him real well when he was with the Bucks, So he has become a somewhat regular on our show. And we're going to uh, continue to use him throughout the summer and into the football season. So all that's going on. Let's take our break here. This is Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Golden Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 84. Tonight's low, 64. Tomorrow and Wednesday, occasionally cloudy with a good chance of showers and storms both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and uh, producers Eric Kim and Noah are helping out back at Tide 100.9. We're going to talk some Alabama baseball as Robbie Glenn, former player, former outstanding first baseman and hitter for the Crimson Tide. He's going to join us and we're going to talk about Bama baseball. Hey, Robbie, it's Matt. How are you today? Doing all right, Matt. How about you? Uh, life's pretty good. I hope for, and I know you did as well for better results over the weekend at Winston-Salem. But um, first thing I said yesterday on Twitter and a couple of other rare notifications or posts that I sent out is I think we got to realize in spite of all of the, the tough calls, particularly on Saturday, Wake Forest is the number one seed. That is one good baseball team. Uh, let me just kind of turn it over to you, Robbie. You can talk about the official referees, excuse me, umpires, um, depending on sport. But what you got going on as far as what you watch this weekend? 
Yeah, you know, like everybody, I was disappointed with Saturday's game. Uh, you know, the bad calls, a couple of costly errors. Um, but, you know, that's 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 sports. You know, that's going to happen. Uh, you hate that it, it, it ended on the bad side of that, 5-4, uh, but we had a chance to win it. You know, we had one out, you know, tie and run on second, win and run it, and the next two guys can't get it done. Uh, now the, the third... You know, that last strikeout, again, another bad call. That wasn't even close to being a strike. But, you know, and then the check swing. Uh, even the guy came on who hit it and had the interview after and said, yeah, he went. And, but he had to go ahead and clear his, clear his head. And when he got the break and got a second chance, and he wanted to make the best of it, and he did. He hit a home run. So I would like to come back with that same pitch, and I guarantee he'd have chased it again. And this time got rung up, but you know that happened. Great game, five four. And then we come out uh, Sunday, and I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to get it going. And you know their leadoff starts it for them again, and and just you know they jump on us three runs because you knew their bats were going to come because we uh we pretty much silenced them on Saturday. Uh, they're big bats, and then we answer right back with two. You know, our leadoff gets on again with a sharp single, like I said, we needed him to do, and then Andrew with the big bomb and. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a game. And dang it, if it just doesn't keep on going for the next couple innings, back and forth, and then they just blew it away. So I feel bad for our pitchers. Like I said, short park. But those just guys just started seeing it, and they started hitting it wherever we pitched it. So I hate we lost it that way, but great season by the guys. Nothing to be ashamed of. Man, just a great year for Alabama baseball all the way around. I hey, didn't really Bobby, hear uh, much not sure if we got into from this the yet, fans. But, uh, what did you think of the umpiring, uh, especially in uh, game one? I know some people were highly critical of some of the calls that did not go in Alabama's favor. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, we we were on the on the the bad side of getting those calls. I mean, you know, the the check swing was the big one, but there were some, you know, other calls that were. I mean, but it, they weren't that bad. I mean, all the way around, I didn't think. I mean, that that last strikeout was a horrible call. Uh, tossing the coach quickly like they did for the bad. I mean, it's an emotional game, and that was a bad call. And then, bam, a home run. Yeah, there's going to be some things that are said, and he didn't need to be tossed. I don't, I don't know exactly what was said, but, you know, I'm sure it wasn't anything. He didn't come out of the dugout and start yelling at him. I mean, he stayed in the dugout. So, guess. They need to stop having rabbit ears so much and just let it go. You know, umpires aren't supposed to look at you anyway. But uh, and then whatever happens Saturday too for the late start. Let's uh, you know, I don't know if that's been mentioned, but you know, the late start from the game because of uh, one of the cameramen or somebody having a heart attack. Man, prayers for that that family with that happening and and that whole ESPN team. That that's sad. The way to start a series yeah yeah that was um that was really shocking to hear that uh an espn employee died uh after suffering a medical emergency uh it was just right before the start of the super regional and um you know it delayed the game about two hours and um the uh the name of the uh, uh person who passed away was uh kyle brown uh, he was 42. Uh, been with ESPN for 16 years, and uh, I never came across Kyle uh, in all my my travels. But 
I, it's just uh, it, it has to leave you a little shaken, even as a as a player, Robbie, to to know that something very severe is happening, um, and and that yet you're supposed to you know really regain your focus. Uh, I, I hate to even like ask this because it trivializes the enormity of uh, Kyle Brown losing his life, but. Uh, do you think that delay uh, hurt Alabama at all? Well, first of all, I didn't know he was 42 years old. That's just he's still young. Yeah, he's a director. But, uh, wow, that, that's something. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it had to affect both teams. I mean, these guys are so dialed in in their routines, and I don't know what part that he had the heart attack where the team's already there, where they warming up, the pitcher's already going through their, their pre- you know, the starting pitcher doing his pre, uh, pre-game workout stuff and getting ready, and then all that happens, and you get delayed for a couple hours, and then you find out why or if they saw it. Yeah, it would mess you up, I'm sure, for both teams. You know, not just Alabama, but I, I don't know if that had the effect to start because it was a good game all the way through from the start. Um, just their leadoff for them, like ours, is a, that's the tone of the game. I mean, he started off with the, with the home run to start the game, and I thought we were pitching great, too. I'm telling you what, that curveball of his is something. Yeah, a couple pitches got up and a couple fly balls, but I, you know, I don't think they would have been out of our park. Now, the second one might have, but not, I don't think that first one would have got out. But um, it was just a great game. And, I, you know, and, and with him passing away, like, that's just sad. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that caused anything to the players, but if it did, it was equally both teams. You know, that, that put them both in delays. Yeah, and it's really tough on uh, everybody, especially the crew, because uh, those people are okay, like a Yeah, Robbie, team. sorry, we're just having some technical problems. Um, yeah, sadly, uh, Kyle Brown is uh, survived by his wife, Megan, and, oh, man, uh, four children, Michaela, 14, Carson, 11, Camden, 9, and uh, Madden, 6. And... Uh, that, that really does put a, a, a damper on on everything, um, but uh, yeah, I, I would just you know assume that it affected both teams uh, the same way, and um, and also just uh, I, I'm not sure when that news was delivered uh, to the teams, but um, just a, overall, uh, do you? Now looking ahead uh, to, to Wake, uh, do you give them uh, – would you anoint them the clear favorite going into Omaha? Uh, I mean, the way they played Sunday, you would have to, yes. But I saw Bama really give them everything they wanted on Saturday. Now, Sunday was a lopsided I, – I, I don't know what happened to Bama there. Our big hitters just – you know, didn't show up, and uh, theirs did. Well, really, one of theirs did, to be honest. Uh, the big third baseman catcher hit three. But uh, look at our freshman, though. What, he hit two yesterday? And one on – I mean, hit the man that, for a freshman. That, that's all, oh, Shelton. What a what a, what a a freshman career. But um, back to your question. Um, I, and they would have to be, but I'm still leaning Florida. Or right now, it looks like a hot LSU again. Um, I'm, I'm taking one of those two, but, you know, Virginia's playing good, too. But I'm still leaning Florida myself with their bat. 
And we're going to a big, big yard now, guys. So now we're going to see at Wake Forest how they do in a big yard like this. I mean, what, 335 down the line and 410 in center? That's a big park compared yeah. to what they're playing at with 300. So this is going to, we're, we're going to find out, you know, yeah, their pitching is dying. They're hitting 29 home runs yesterday. That, that's crazy. Let, let's see if those home runs are going out of in Omaha. Well, looking at what Alabama has coming back for next year and uh, the incoming recruiting class, uh, w- what would your assessment be of uh, of Bama next season? Uh, you know, I know we're losing a lot of talent. Um, you know, big bats, seniors, keeping the leadership going, but we do have a we have some returning. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have to find something for right field and short, and you know, in all those places, second base, first base. Um, but we have our what our catchers coming back. All, most of our pitchers are all coming back. Shelton at third, coming. You know, so we got a good, good nucleus coming back. Um, and then with the recruits coming in, I think Bama's gonna be right back where they were now that they've tasted again what it's like to be in the super regional and and how it is to win and what it takes. I think uh, I think we're gonna be okay. I think we'll be back, but you know, you got a lot's got to happen. We got some guys got to step up and start playing good um, when they get that chance. Now, you know, those seniors are gone. Guys that have been there, so we'll see and, uh, who's going to be the coach and how he motivates them. Well, that's the next question I wanted to ask you: Is uh, is uh, Jason Jackson going to be the next head coach of uh, the? Is he going to lose the interim tag? And do you think uh, Greg Byrne will make him the, the permanent head coach? And in talking with some other people uh, who know a lot about baseball, it seems to me that this is far from a slam dunk, that uh, they may want to bring someone in who's got, you know, maybe a bigger name, uh, more impressive resume. Uh, but uh, Coach Jackson certainly did a wonderful job of, of guiding this team uh, when his hand was on the the tiller, um, so what what do you think? If you if you were uh, if you were Greg Byrne, would you ultimately pull the trigger and, and give uh, Jackson the job? Uh, again, yes, he did a great job, like tremendous. Made all the right calls, made the right pitching changes because he is the pitching coach. Um, you know, it, it, this is a business. So, you know, Greg Burns is going to look at everything, what's, who's out there, who's available, and then put it all together. Um, you got to look at it. You know, he, he was playing with seniors this year, so he really didn't – I wouldn't say he didn't have to coach, but never really had an adversity that he had to handle with a five-game losing streak or a six-grant, you know, anything that he's having to make some changes. So I, I would think he would he would be a great coach. I mean, he showed he can do it. Um but I don't know who else has put their name in. I've heard a couple names, some guys that were in the big leagues coaching, and I think have showed interest. So that could be a factor too. I don't know. And how is he at recruiting? Did he is he getting out there and is and does he want to be the coach? Is this what he's striving for? He wants to be the head coach. You know, we don't. I, I'm assuming he does. Um, but whatever he does, he's going to make the right decision. But I also have a feeling that if he doesn't go with Jackson, we could lose him 
because there's going to be someone that offers him a head coaching job. So that's the other thing that we, I, I don't know if we want to lose him, period. So maybe we need to make him the coach. And uh, of all the teams that qualified for Omaha, who's who are you kind of pulling for? <clears throat> is there a is there uh, an, an underdog out there? Uh, for those of us who don't follow college baseball all that closely, is there is there one team like if, if we like uh, if we like the long shot, is there one team that we should be pulling for? Well, we still have two more games today, and. If Southern Miss can somehow beat Tennessee again and go there, I would. That would be kind of a Cinderella because you know the coach is retiring this year after all these years of being the coach. You know that that would be an awesome story. Um, but I'm more interested in the matchups, not so much who's going to win. I still think an SEC team is going to take it. Sorry, I'm an SEC homer, but that's the best bet. I still think Florida LSU, but I really want to see the matchup with Florida or LSU against Wake Forest. You're talking the best pitchers right there. Bama's pitchers are on, and I love our pitching staff. But now you're talking about LSU, the number one pitcher in the country, excuse or whatever his name is, that throws 102 all the way, and then all those arms for Florida and their bats. I would love to see that pitching and hitting matchup between those three teams. Um, But I'll I'll wait and see. If Southern Miss is going to make it, I'm going to put them as my sleeper and feel-good store and see what they can do, but I still got Florida winning this thing. I love Southern Miss and have for many years. They are a very underrated baseball program, and um, I, I hope they can make some noise here. What will this Alabama baseball team be remembered for? Well, you know, as bad as everything is, you know what they're going to be remembered for is the, you know, the gambling and losing their coach and that I hate it because it was a great year what 43-44 wins just a great season and the hitters and the kids that they had and and they all did it the right way and just watching them a lot of them have graduated and what made all SEC academic and all like just great all around players and teammates so uh you hate ending bad like that, 22 to 4 or 5. That's going to stick out. Like, man, that team just got killed by a wake. But I don't know. The gambling and this, how they came together as a unit and just went on a run and became a dominant team in the SEC, uh, they'll be remembered for that, how they how they re- just rallied around each other and is one of the better teams that we've had in a long time. As I let you go, I want to talk a little aesthetics of baseball. I kind of like smaller parks. It creates a lot of excitement with the long ball. Don't don't love them. But, uh, man, I did not care for the coloring of the artificial surface there at Winston-Salem. The uh, infield... Uh, you know, the dirt, the dirt portion of a baseball diamond uh, looked like it was sand. And I've never seen a black pitcher's mound in my life. Yeah, that, I, I told you from before even the games that you the field, when I, I saw them, I saw them play whatever on, they were on ESPN or something, I was like, that is the weirdest field I've ever seen. Like, just the color, and then I had trouble from the end zone, I mean, not end zone, sorry, but the center field looking at home plate and telling them it was a bar strike, and I couldn't see the plate. Like, the plate would blend in with the, that little tan sand 
yep. AstroTurf that they have. And I was like, like man, that was a strike. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. Then we, we were set up inside, so that was way out. I was, it was a little confusing on that. I, I'd like to talk to some of the players, see if they liked it. It looked, uh, I don't know what happened on that first play. You know, what did I say? It would start with Jarvis, rip the ball, gets on, on Friday that first, and then gets picked off at first base in that first series. It looked like his, I'm thinking his cleat got stuck out there when he went to like do his aggressive uh, lead. And then he just got out there and no one's letting the catcher threw over. So I'd like to know if that was just like a bad playing surface or they liked it or what. Cause I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like the way it looked. Robbie, on Sunday, I think it was, I saw something I'd never seen before, and that was a Wake Forest relief pitcher, uh, a lefty, on the mound. I think he may have struck out the side, like in the eighth inning or something. Um, and uh, uh, I think it was Sunday, yeah. Uh, it could have been Saturday. But um, his shirt was unbuttoned basically all the way to his belly button and you can see his chest and he's like pounding on his chest and it just uh i don't know if he was going for like a john rocker thing but uh what have you ever seen that before do you know what i'm talking about yeah it's actually not supposed to be allowed either you're not supposed to have your shirt buttoned down to certain parts so i don't i don't know how how that ended up going on or it seemed really over the top and, and unnecessary and, and in a way disrespectful to Alabama. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do, is, am I interpreting that too much or is it just a, a guy being feeling like he needs to show off his guns? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah, we wouldn't have liked it back in the day. We were playing if he was acting like that. I mean, I, like I said, the game's changed so much. There's a lot of things that go on in the game now that wouldn't have happened back when we were playing. Not like we were all, you know, badasses or anything, but we didn't like being disrespected in any which way. Dang sure we're going to show up our pitcher either, and there was a few of those home runs where we showed up our pitcher too, and I was surprised nothing happened after that, but again, the game's changed. So, um, I just I, I hated that loss. I thought we were really going to come back on, on Sunday and put it to them, um, but just wasn't in our, our game, so now I'm on to the World Series and see who does that. But still, great great game, great team. I still think this Alabama team will be remembered for something special and be remembered for something more than the gambling incident and the firing of Coach Bohannon. Uh, but we'll see. History will only prove that as we move forward. All right, uh, let's take a break and we get back. Hey, Robbie, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You've just been an thank absolute you, Lord, wonder. Thanks, yep, Robbie. You appreciate it. Um, Robbie Glenn, former Alabama first baseman, talking about college baseball and the College World Series. Two more teams will qualify today, and we'll get to them as we move along on this edition of Big Noon Sports. By the way, we're presented by Haley Sansing of Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe, too. Alabama's Move Over Law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association and this state. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Back on Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Kim, Noah, and the gang all holding down the fort back at Tide 100.9. Lars really never had a chance to ask you. We just jumped into baseball immediately, got Robbie Glenn on. Did you have a decent weekend? Yeah, had a really nice weekend. Um, it was warm, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, the kid, uh, Lincoln, uh, my eight-year-old, we had his team party, and it was dads versus kids. And uh, it was a minor miracle that uh, no ambulance had to be called for the dads. Uh, <laughs> got started taking it a little bit serious, of course. Um, but uh, it was a really good time. And uh, actually, uh, some of the moms batted as well and, and took the field. And uh, it was just a, a great experience. It was the first uh, kind of game like that that I'd participated in. And uh, it was just, you know, old fashioned fun. Uh, had pizzas and uh, we ended up playing at uh, Cahaba Heights Elementary. And uh, as, I, as we were just, uh, as some of the dads and I were warming up uh, with the game of catch, we were all just like looking at each other like, man, we should do this more often, <laughs> right? Just get out there and just, just rip the ball around. And you forget just how much 
uh, fun and pleasurable a simple game of catch is. And uh, especially with another adult. I mean, I've been playing catch with Lincoln since he was able to walk. But, uh, yeah, it was a really fun time. Have you ever have you ever played in uh, one of those kind of uh, oh, dad yeah. dad versus kids tournaments? Yeah, and then every once in a while you have to remember you're a dad. You're not supposed to knock the cover off the ball. And you're not <laughs> to try so hard. Well, I figured... You really need to kind of let them win, although I'm not a big proponent yeah. of that. I figured we, I figured the dads would use like a squishy kind of ball or a at least a tennis ball, but no, <laughs> we used a baseball. I was not necessarily in favor of that, and uh, some of us, uh, myself included, we just hit with our opposite hand. So I hit, I hit lefty. I'm, a, I'm, a, I hit right-handed, but I, I hit lefty, and so I was. Was just trying to, you know, just trying to punch the ball out there, do a little Ichiro thing and, and slap the ball on the ground. And uh, I would always try to hit it right at Lincoln, of course. And he got me out one time and Good. still hearing about it. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll hear about that until the next game you play. Yeah. But it was, it was, when he it rifles was, uh, one right under your glove. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, my girls got to play as well. Autumn and Farah, they both got a hit. And and somebody, uh, I think it was a, a, a dad, he hit a line drive center and somehow Farah was out there. And this little six-year-old girl is going straight for it. I mean, oh, no. fearless. Uh, she barely missed it, but she showed she was not scared of that ball. Um, maybe she hasn't been hit yet by a baseball. But uh, I was what very. Dad's I was gonna hit a frozen row. I, I know. I think uh, it just you know got a little little heated there for a second, uh, as these things tend to do. Well, uh, how was how was your weekend? weekend? How was your uh, weekend? Good. I didn't do a whole lot. Um, watched a lot of sports. Slept a little bit. Played some catch with my seven-year-old grandson, and um, you know. Uh, they all went to the Braves game on Saturday, which was really, really cool. The Braves are playing great, although I think they did lose yesterday. But uh, anyway, it is definitely, I mean, we're in the middle of June, so it is definitely the time of year for baseball. But um, also for football, as we uh, have the final few games of the United States Football League, and man, did the Stallions look good against the Gamblers. And um, they had a, a really... <laughs> A perfect scoop and score where the ball just landed right in the Stallions defender's arms and he just cut up the sideline. But Alex Magoo was absolutely fabulous. Uh, as I have read many articles through the USFL in the last day. And um, I think, he, Lars, I think he's the odds-on candidate to win the most valuable offensive player. Although... After uh, I heard comment on that, somebody else said, I'm not so sure it shouldn't be Jay Sternberger. Yeah. Because he got everything started with the, the game's first touchdown, the first touchdown period, I think. And I, at least I know for the Stallions. But uh, our regular here on Big Noon Sports has been making quite a few headlines for the Stallions and the USFL. But win for the Stallions, got them automatically in the playoff. They are atop the South Division and don't know who they're going to play next uh, as they have to wrap up the regular season this coming weekend. I think they travel. They may travel to Memphis again. 
But um, that's the status of the Stallions. And uh, once again, they played great defense, especially when they needed it. And I think both teams had three turnovers, so I guess that area was a little sloppy. But it was a win, 38-15 to over the Gamblers. And uh, we'll wrap up the season, start the playoffs here in a couple of weeks. So that's all good for Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and uh, Alex Magoo, uh, I just want to dig a little deeper uh, because he's a he's a good player, Matt. He's really good. Uh, he, he's very cerebral. And uh, if you go back and just sort of look at his bio, he um, he was a seventh round pick in 2018 of the Seahawks, and uh, he didn't make it out of training camp on the active roster. He was cut, but then he was resigned to the practice squad. Um, and then uh, so he spent all year on the practice squad and then um, spent a little bit of time uh, with the Jaguars, uh, with the Texans, and then back to the Seahawks practice squad. And uh, back in 2022, remember when the USFL was making their initial uh, draft picks, uh, he was the uh, sixth pick of the first round. And then he remember he had an ankle injury and uh, that really kind of set him back almost uh, all all year. But then during the championship game, he comes on and replaces uh, Jamar Smith, member who got injured, and he went seven to ten for seventy seven yards and a touchdown to help the Stallions win their first championship. So. Um, he, I think, is going to get another look at, uh, I think the NFL is going to take another hard look at this kid. I mean, he's, he's 27, um, and, uh, and, and, and again, he, he plays so smart. He's got a, you know, not, not, not like the strongest of arms, but you don't necessarily need a huge arm in the NFL now, right? Um, it, it, it's funny, like I, 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 my kids and I were some, for some reason watching uh, the uh, Denver versus San Francisco Super Bowl of uh, years years ago when it was like it was Joe Montana's fourth Super Bowl. Wow! And of his like first twenty five passes, I think twenty four traveled ten yards or less. You know, I mean, it was just all you know, it was just all dink and dunk and let Jerry Rice and Roger Craig and and uh, and and. Um, God, who is their number two? John Taylor, just run with the ball. Wow. So anyway, uh, but 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 Magoo is like I'm not saying he's Joe Montana. However, um, you know when we have talked to uh, uh, Coach Holtz about about him, he raves about his football IQ, and I mean it just seems like he would be a good second string quarterback uh, in the NFL. Uh, someone who could come in because he can also make some plays with his legs as we've Big seen time. and and uh, and you're right I mean Chase Chase is I, I still think he's the best player on the Stallions I really do he uh, he just makes play after play and in this whole game changed in Memphis uh, against the Maulers uh, on the fact that uh, Birmingham scored right before halftime and then they scored again right after halftime. So it was basically 14 consecutive points, and that put it out of reach. And and you could tell that uh, that that 
uh, I'm sorry, the gamblers. You could tell that the gamblers really uh, sort of just lost their will after that, and and they were kind of ready to head back to the hotel. But uh, good job by the Stallions. I mean, this is a complete team. They got good special teams, uh, and uh, that defensive line was absolutely dominating. Um, I think that is probably the overall strength of this team is the defensive line. And then, uh, again, that, that offense that uh, took a while to get going um, against uh, the Gamblers, but eventually just uh, put the game away. It's, they're, they're still a fun team to watch, and I often wonder they if are. the guy is really, really going are. to, um, you know, if, if a guy like a Sternberger or a Magoo, um, if they do get another shot, do they go immediately <laughs> after the season is over? They go to, uh, yeah. they're going to play uh, yeah. in the upcoming NFL season. Now you talk about some wear and tear on your body. And just another note on Magoo, he does have the ability to beat you both ways, and, and I think that's huge. And it's uh, it's becoming more and more of a factor in the NFL too. So I sure hope he gets a shot. He's an interesting guy to say the very least. And as you said, he's. Uh, real smart player and he's got the athletic tools too um i don't know if you saw this or not but tom brady's not coming out of retirement but if you heard what he did over the weekend you certainly wouldn't doubt it with his accuracy you're listening to big (laughs) news sports covering sec sports like kudzu on the roadside This is Big Noon Sports. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 84. Tonight's low, 64. Tomorrow and Wednesday, occasionally cloudy with a good chance of showers and storms both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson on a sunny Monday afternoon. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. And you can dial us up, too, at 205-342-9904. Uh, so you can call us up and talk about just anything you want to. But, um, Lars, I'm sure you did the same thing as I'm doing, as many people listening right now. Um, you get this you know, article that pops up and talks about Tom Brady hitting a drone. You're thinking, oh, what the hell's, you know, what's going on here? So, obviously, you download it and take a look at it. And just to describe it as best I can, and I urge you to just Google Tom Brady drone and the video will come up. It's worth watching. But it was a guy that had a drone on this, by the way, $300 million yacht. I'm not going to go into great detail on this craft. But when I was first watching the video, I said, where's the yacht? They're standing on the shore. Now, it was a shore. There was a huge swimming pool on the yacht. But anyway, they hand him a football. And Lars, you've seen the video, right? I have. Okay. This isn't a drone that's like, you know, 10 yards above the yacht. It is out to, I don't know, is it the port or the starboard? I'm not going to go there. But it's probably 20, maybe even 30 yards off of the yacht. And his first time and his daughter Vivian went, you're going to miss. Well, guess what? 
as uh, has been the case throughout Tom Brady's career, he didn't. He clipped the drone and dropped it into the ocean. And uh, <laughs> it's great video. It's fun video. And then later they send a guy out on a, on uh, you know a, a ski do, and they supposed to throw it to him so the guy can try and hack catch it he drills him right in the chest again from about 40 yards the guy missed it by the way but brady proved to me that if he wanted to come out of retirement he should he could sure do it <laughs> yeah uh if only his legs and i don't know other parts of his body were as, as as still as strong as his right arm he certainly has the arm to play uh i think he's just taken too many hits over the years and uh it's just not worth it anymore to him but uh yeah he was on the boat with uh, a youtuber known as mr beast his name's jimmy donaldson and this is for the stunt that was uh, posted on youtube on saturday and uh and yeah i mean you know brady's history with boats uh he, he he's he's purchased a yacht or two in his day uh, and you remember the Super Bowl trophy throw from his boat, right? The the Don't completion. <laughs> uh, Too much tequila for yeah, the goat. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, you know Tom had quite quite the weekend. Uh, so he showed uh, a picture of him and his kids at, at Disney World, uh, and I think this was uh, maybe a few days before the weekend. And then uh, he shows up in France at the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, which is a 24-hour auto race, as you know. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to go to myself. And then on Sunday, where does he appear? But in the box of uh, Novik Djokovic's match at the French Open uh, against Casper Ruud in, in the final, sitting right next to uh, Nokovic, uh, Djokovic's uh, wife. And, uh, and, and apparently these two have a pretty long-standing uh, friendship uh, that goes back to, I think they had similar like workout coaches and, and they've talked about training uh, methods over the years. And, and uh, I always think it's pretty cool when uh, really big time star athletes, and you can say that these are you know, two of the biggest on the planet, uh, that they form a genuine friendship because they are they are still searching, you know, for that edge in training, and wanting to know sort of each other's secrets. and And I, I think you can make the co- case now that um, that uh, Novak Djokovic is one of the greats, if not, you know, one of the two greatest tennis players of all time. Um, he has three French titles, and he's the first man to have three titles in four in all four of the majors. I mean, what else can the guy do? He, he he's just incredible, and it's like he hasn't. It's like Father Time is not slowing him down. He was so dominating at the French Open. I don't know if you saw any of that, but. Uh, when I was, you know, years ago, uh, when I was over in Paris, just kind of by myself, I, I took in some matches over at Roland Garros, and it's a, it's a, it's an amazing venue. 
and um, highly suggest it to anyone. It's a completely different game, obviously, when you're playing on clay than it is uh, on hard surfaces that we're used to in the United States. But um, and it's 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 a lot of fun. I actually think it takes more skill because you are slip sliding everywhere, and it's like you got to slide into your shots oftentimes. But he is absolutely the master of that court. So Brady was in Florida one day and at two significant events in France the rest of that day. And, man, he's not flying a Piper Cub around, is he? No, no. (laughs) And, um, you know, everybody's trying to figure out who who his girlfriend is, but uh, he hasn't been pictured. There there are rumors that uh, there's the different supermodels are are kind of throwing themselves at Tom, but uh, nothing has been confirmed. Life is pretty good for Tom Brady, even though he's retired from football. <laughs> yes, yes. I think life will continue to be good for Tom Brady. Well, I mean, since y'all are close personal friends, what is this... the deal with him and Fox? Is he going to do the broadcast or not? <laughs> do you know? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's still to be determined. Um I don't know, like, if he's actually able to because he owns part, because he's part owner of the Raiders. That's true. Um, yeah, that would that would create a little bit of a problem. Actually, but I mean, I guess is, you could just schedule to where he doesn't ever do them. Get yeah. Olsen to do those games. Who's better than yeah. Brady will be anyway? Um, personal opinion. I haven't heard Tom yet, but um, I don't foresee Tom Brady being a Tony did, Romo. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so it was just back in just a couple weeks ago. It was according to a report of the New York Post that Tom Brady may be considering his options, right, as he settles into life after football. And then Brady responded to that by just saying fake news. So whatever. Uh, I I think he probably will be uh, working for Fox. And again, that that contract that he signed 10 years. 35 million a year. 37.5 million a year for 10 years. so, yeah, I, I think he's going to probably pursue that. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I mean, <clears throat> even though he's Tom Brady, I'm sure he had to actually audition. They're not going to give him that much money without having him audition. And um, no. Uh, and it, it, it's so strange to me because he's always been so circumspect with his words, with the media and just never really telling you how he feels. Is he really going to be able to do that once he is behind the mic? We'll see. Uh, I think uh, Tony Romo has been able to do that, but there have been others like Jason Witten who simply wasn't able to do that. So, uh, yeah, something to follow. Roma was too good. They had to put reins on him. Still don't like that. Anyway, uh, hour number one is in the, under the belt. So uh, we will uh, tuck that away and go to the second hour. We'll be talking some NFL and some college football with Rick Christoffel, who uh, was with the Bucks and UAB for many years. This has been a favorite of ours on this show. It's coming up next hour on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. 
It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. It's another gorgeous but a little bit on the hot side day in the state of Alabama. But uh, thanks for dialing us in and do remember you can call as well. We're going to try and introduce uh, more of that variety in the immediate future at uh, 205-342-9904. Uh, Bama baseball took it on the chin yesterday, 22-5. to Lost on Saturday in a close one and a controversial one as well as the Demon Deacons won it by a score of 5-4. to four. So Wake is off to Omaha, as are the Gators of Florida, TCU, LSU, Oral Roberts, Virginia, and two more will be decided today. Stallions won, and the Canadian Open was pretty interesting too as Nick Taylor hit a, drilled a 72-foot putt to win it in sudden death playoff. With Tommy Fleetwood, man, one had to feel for Tommy Fleetwood, but the elation that they showed there is in Toronto, I think. Some, no, no, it was in uh, Ontario. That's where they played, and the crowd. I just I watched the uh, replay of the putt over just to watch the crowd uh, because their own guy, a Canadian, won the Canadian Open, and uh, they went they went just absolutely bananas. And that, that's a good thing. That was a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if I've left anything open here on the Monday plate, but uh, that's kind of the way I see it from here, Lars. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was a really big deal at the Canadian Open. Uh, Nick Taylor, first Canadian uh, to win uh, up in Canada uh, in, in this tournament, the uh, RBC is uh, the only uh, stop in Canada. Uh, of the tour, but it's first Canadian to win there in almost seven decades uh, at the RBC Canadian Open. And um, yeah, he, he uh, ended up beating Fleet Tommy Fleetwood in a four-hole playoff. 
and um, and uh, yeah, the last Canadian to win the win the event, as I'm sure you're well aware, it was uh, Pat Fletcher back in 1954. Oh, yeah, yeah I, used his golf, <laughs> I used to have his golf trading card. But um, <clears throat> yeah, that that uh, yeah, um, that uh, that putt. That uh, on the fourth playoff hole that Taylor hit uh, a crazy seventy-two foot eagle putt uh, that that just prompted this huge celebration from from Canadians on the green and uh, and and what's cool is it was the longest putt he's made in his tour career seventy-two footer to win it I mean it just it, it just that just doesn't happen I mean it's almost like you're more likely to hit a hole in one than a seventy-two footer. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he did great. And, um, and the, the fans just were, they were so, so just, I don't know, maybe they were full of, uh, uh, what is it? Moosehead or, uh, what's a good, uh, Canadian, uh, Molson. uh yeah, Molson, <laughs> Molson. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was it was a nice moment for him, a nice moment uh, for golf, and just uh, a way for some of us to momentarily forget about <clears throat> all of the political machinations going on in the wow. world of golf, and <laughs> just a, a, with, with everything that's going on with you know the Live Tour, Saudi Arabia, uh, the PGA Tour. Uh, the Moynihan and just you know everything that is the disaster of professional golf uh, that was all kind of put uh, by the wayside just for a second as uh, as um, Taylor was able to to win that with a again a seventy two foot putt and uh, man and he did all this <clears throat> it looked like he may not even make the cut uh, after his opening round he shot a seventy five. Uh, but then uh, on Saturday, matched the course record at nine under sixty-three, and uh, and still kept the the hot hand going on Sunday, uh, birdie in five of the first ten holes. So uh, he was he was he was fun to watch, and uh, again a really nice moment for uh, Canadian golf. Did you see the security guard tackle fellow Canadian Adam Hadwin? Obviously, he mistook him for somebody that wasn't supposed to be on the green when they were popping all the champagne. And, man, he laid him out. (laughs) And um, I'm just wondering how that's going to be dealt with because, you know, they're not supposed to have. You're not supposed to just let anybody onto the green. But it appeared to me that Hadwin had already been under the ropes and he was sitting there and he was watching. I don't why the security guard picked him out, but he did. And once somebody explained to him who Adam Hadwin was, I'm sure that security guard got a got a talking to. But you mentioned the live golf part, and I, now that it's an appropriate time, I am going to bring this up. Uh, that now, the United States Senate has decided that they need to do an investigation into this. And I, I'll just walk through it real quick with you, Lars. When I read that, I went, "Come on, really?" And then I thought, "No." They should be doing this because somebody should be looking into PIF. And somebody should be looking into what the Saudis did to make all this happen. And I think we've all figured out what they did. They they were going to throw all kinds of money at them. And, and they were going to outspend the PGA and maybe eventually run them out of business. I don't know. But PGA had to do what they had to do just to save their tour 
but in the process, many, myself included, feel like they they uh, they sold out. Now, does this require government intervention, Lars? Um, <clears throat> I think it's worth a look. I really do, um, and uh, d- just to see if. I don't know if there's anything uh, improper that uh, that happened. Uh, I, I I I don't know. Like this is it's like so uh, technical and uh, just looking into you know the business side of it. Was there anything that was uh, unethical, or is there anything that? Uh, I don't know, broke a law. I, I, I'm just not, I'm not entirely sure what they're looking for. Is this grandstanding or is this like legit, you know, uh, on the on the part of uh, the congressman, I think from Connecticut, who, who has been talking about this? Well, you know, you, you got to wonder. I mean, somebody wants to sell, they can sell. I mean, are they going to stop, stop the business world? Can they stop it just because the United States doesn't like that country? Um, I don't know. That is way above my pay grade and one I'm only going to read what I've read and leave it at that because I'm not real sure other than what I have yeah, made I mean, public. We just don't need to be dealing with Saudi so, Arabia in any way, form, or fashion. Yeah, that's kind of what Senator uh, Richard Blumenthal, who's a, a Democrat out of Connecticut, um, that's what he said. It's that the deal raises concerns about the Saudis' government uh, role in influencing this effort, meaning the deal, and the risk posed by a foreign government entity assuming control over a cherished American institution. Because it is uh, pretty clear that the Saudis are going to be in control <clears throat> of golf worldwide. I mean, there's just... Uh, there's no way to uh, to uh, else to put it because, um, uh, I mean, it's been characterized as a merger, but I, I would almost think it would be more like a uh, a takeover, right? Yeah. And, uh, Sounds and, like. Yeah. Um, so uh, and and. Uh, and Blumenthal also cited Saudi Arabia's, <clears throat> quote, disturbing human rights record at home and abroad. And um, he said that just this uh, drastic reversal of position by the PGA Tour is uh, concerning Live Golf raises questions regarding the reasons for and terms behind the announced agreement. Well, to me... And uh, I, I talked with uh, a buddy of mine who has been covering uh, golf forever. I think this really, it, it's, it's rather simple, is that the, the PGA Tour was just going to run out of money. They were going to go broke. They've already spent like $500 million in their reserves, right, in, uh, in legal funds. Uh, and this wasn't going to go away. And uh, the only way according to like those who would justify what the PGA Tour did. The only way for the PGA Tour to survive was to figure out how to uh, make some sort of an agreement with Liv. Otherwise, um, it, it, it literally would have gone belly up. 
because it simply doesn't have the financial resources to compete with the bottomless financial resources of Live and that uh, that that entity that controls all of their money. And now it's that entity that's now controlling golf around the world. But I do think, you know, Blumenthal, it, I, I, I like him. And I, I think uh, Senator Blumenthal, and um, I, I think it's it, it certainly is worthy of looking into and asking a few questions uh, of you know under oath of uh, what is really transpiring here. So I, I would think the first person that they would call to testify would be Monahan, uh, Jay Monahan, uh, the PGA Tour Commissioner. Well, I don't think they're going to get the, the big guy with the six mil, billion trillion dollars over here to testify in front of a Senate committee. So uh, maybe they can get Greg Norman. Although I hear their Greg Norman is going to be out of this in a while because he's aggravated a few people. So anyway, on back to the to the course, so to speak. Um, Los Angeles Country Club is the site of the U.S. Open, and that's coming up this week. So we'll have to get predictions on that and thoughts on that as uh, we get ready to uh, got. Get the week going. That's what we're going to do. When we get back, we'll talk with Rick Christoffel, who has just recently retired from the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he spent many years here in Birmingham with the Blazers of UAB. All-around great guy. He's coming up on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Stephen Met 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today 84. Tonight's low 64. Tomorrow and Wednesday occasionally cloudy with a good chance of showers and storms both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports. Thanks for dialing us in. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and joined by our special guest, Rick Christoffel, long time with the Bucks. Uh, he was with Austin P. He was with Tennessee Tech. He was with UAB for many years. That's when I got to know him and his wonderful family. Lars got to know him when he was writing A Season Under the Sun, a book about the Bucks. It came back with Brady and won the Super Bowl. Rick, how are things in your life? How's your family? Family's good, Matt. Good to hear from you, Lars. How you doing? How's everybody doing? Hey, we're doing great. Doing great. Uh, this time of year is this uh, your your uh, time off? Is that correct? Well, uh, Lars, I retired after this year. Oh, that's so. right. Yes, that's you. <laughs> I see. I didn't know it's if you were. I, did, I, I didn't know if you were going to stick around for another year as a uh, as a sort of a, as an offensive assistant uh, advisor, or if uh, if you were ready to uh, just um, you know take your Super Bowl ring and and head to uh, head to the lake. <laughs> well, we you know we tried to get that second one. We were we were pretty doggone close and. Uh, so it, it was it was one of those things where 49 years i think you know is it, long enough 49 wow um you know obviously you you were played you know you you were coaching not necessarily brady but you're coaching i think tight ends and you know, offensive consultant along the way um 
Is he kind of the guy we would figure on the practice field and in the meeting rooms and, and away from football as well? Yeah, he's, he's uh, I tell you what, all the things you read about him being a perfectionist, that's exactly what he is. And he works hard. When he's on the field, he works as hard as anybody. And he wants, you know, the great thing about him was if somebody made a mistake or something like that, he would get on them, but he would also take them to the side. And, and a lot of times it was a route. They would go back and they would throw behind the offense uh, when the defense was doing doing their or set of, uh, of plays during practice. Yeah, that's that's uh, there. There's just so many stories of uh, him just you know going the extra mile. Um, were you surprised how last year ended for you guys, and uh, were you surprised that Tom ultimately decided to walk away? Well, I, I know he didn't want it to end like that. I'm almost sure because that's that's the way he is, and um, it was just one of those years where. We were on the brink. There, there was there were several games that we lost uh, uh, right at the end of the game, and uh, uh, to, to, to still win the division uh, was crazy. Um, so uh, we didn't want it to end that way. We certainly didn't want it to end that way with the Cowboys, and uh, you know that, that. But that's the way football is. I want to uh, branch away from the Bucks. Let's talk about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, uh, Lazard came over with uh, with Aaron Rodgers from the Packers, and uh, they're picking up guys, also trying to sign a uh, uh, couple of guys here, see if they can't bolster up their deep, make their defense what it was a year ago. But C.J. Mosley and I think Quinn and Williams are both not signed right now. Okay, long, right. long question for this one. Will Rodgers make it work in New York? I think he's got the opportunity. They, they've they certainly set the table for him. I think defensively they they're pretty good. They were pretty salty last year, and uh, I think with Lazard and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt and Lars. I think Randall Cobb signed with them too. Yeah, if recently. I'm not mistaken. So yep. there's two guys right there that he's that he has got that uh, have been around him, and he's been around them for a while. And they signed. Uh, there was a tight end they signed. I think I, I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, their offensive line is intact, uh, so if they got a, they got an opportunity to make a lot of waves if if they stay healthy. The biggest thing about NFL football, and it's, and it's like getting like that major college football, is the attrition rate. Um, you got to stay healthy, and if you stay healthy, you got an opportunity to win at the end of the year. You know, Rick, it seems that so many games just come down to one play here, one play there. And uh, it is just, uh, it's so difficult in the NFL to really put together a special season because all of the teams, you know, are so close in talent and there's so much parity. But you have been on teams that have been very successful. Is, is there a common denominator between, you know, winning a, a Super Bowl winning team? Uh, been a successful team that you've seen that is maybe just not necessarily just pure talent, but I don't know. Is there just something bigger? Like, is it is it a belief in self? Is it just the the character of the locker room? Is there is there anything you've been able to kind of put your finger on as to what that X factor is? Well, you've touched on a lot of things, Lars. I I, I think one you got to have a quarterback, an experienced quarterback, and one that is very very good on the field and very good at the end of the game two minute drill 
you know, I've been fortunate to be around a couple of those guys, Carson Palmer in Arizona, Tom in, in um, uh, Tampa Bay. I think that's, that's a big, that's a big asset. You got to have that guy. And I think the other thing you touched on too is your locker room. If you got quality leaders in your locker room, it's not going the way because you're gonna you're gonna go through some bad times. The bad times are not going to disrupt the ultimate goal, which is to get to the Super Bowl. And the year we won the Super Bowl, y'all remember, we lost like three in a row before our bye week. Mm-hmm. We lost three in a row and came back and won eight straight. And uh, three of those game, three of those playoff games on the road. So it had to be the quality in the locker room that, that got us through that. Rick, if you were if you had the opportunity, <clears throat> is it for forty nine years weren't enough? Um, would you get would the NIL and the transfer portal and the way recruiting and and really outside the lines, the game has changed. Would, would that deter you at all? Because coaches, for the most part, it's my belief, and you talk to a lot more than I do, they're not real fond of this deal. I, I, I know where you're headed, Matt. I probably would I probably would have tried to get into the, the NFL a lot sooner somehow. I was fortunate because of Bruce, but the college game is just to me it's gone crazy i mean it's you know you're 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 minor you're almost you're pros now you got free agents all over the place guys are being able to transfer without sitting out a year um you got nil money and and the people that got the nil money they're going to be able to outbid other people so i i think it's you know it's kind of crazy the recruiting part of it I, i don't know if i would i would be able to do that uh, looking back on your career, let's just stay with college. What, what, what was your favorite, uh, your favorite, you, you had many stops along the way, different uh, schools, uh, Austin P, Cincinnati Rice, Vandy, Mississippi State. That's where you hooked up with BA, I believe. And then uh, UAB right. and then the head coach at Austin P. Of all of those stops, is there is there one that really sticks out to you? Uh, I tell you, Lars. You know, every place you go, you, you you know, you got things that you really enjoy and things that you don't enjoy. Um, I I think, uh, of course, the twelve years at UAB were you know just great. I got to meet Matt when I was there, <laughs> and, uh, but that those those were great years because we we were pretty good for for a long time at, at UAB, and then uh, uh, I I think the head coaching job. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a head coach. I don't know if I, if I ever had a chance to do it again, I don't know if I'd do it again because there's, there's so much responsibility that a head coach has to have, not just on the field, but off the field. Um, I think that was one, it, it, you know, Cincinnati was a, probably as good a job as we had with talent. We had some really good talent. We beat Penn State that year at Penn State. Uh, we lost to Oklahoma State at our, our place. Um, and they were ten and two that year. So uh, you, you know, there's so many just good memories from all of them. And I, I tell you what, I had a lot of fun in high school. I coached high school for three football seasons, and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Do you have a favorite game that you remember when you were at UAB? Oh, at UAB, there's no doubt which one. You know which one yeah. that is. I kind of asked you a toss up. The LSU t- t- game. Yeah, the LSU game. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, that was that's my favorite thing, and I, you know, I I don't know if Coach Saban's listening or not, but I've only gone against Coach Saban once, and we won. So, 
that's that's kind of our favorite my favorite game yeah uh walk, walk us through that just a little bit that last kick and then holding on i think um it was it was just an incredible deal and what was the locker let's just narrow it down to this what was the locker room like the locker room was unbelievable i think we went into the halftime with a 10 and nothing lead and um you know, we knew we were going to have to. I think the good thing is we established a run game, and Bill Clay was our defensive coordinator. We had we had an outstanding defense, um, so we kind of catered to the defense. And uh, I know we'll forget Leron Little caught a touchdown pass at the end zone off of a play action, and Jaheel Duggar had a heck of a game running the ball. But our defense was was what 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 made the game. And and uh, I think the guy's name that came in as a quarterback was. Uh, Oh, it was a uh, game with a B. Booty. Uh, Booty. Booty. Josh Booty. Yeah, Josh Booty. He came into the game at the end of the game and threw an interception to Chris Brown uh, out in the flat with about thirty seconds left to go in the game, and we got the we got the uh, the ball in uh, position to kick the field goal, and uh, we kicked the field goal and made it, and it was just it was just a heck of a feeling in the locker room. Rick. what are your thoughts on this sort of ever-growing trend in the NFL of uh, organizations hiring head coaches who are really young? And, uh, you know, Bruce always told me that, that the best way to structure a staff is to kind of have a mixture of young guys who are real ambitious and, and some older guys who are veterans. And also, you know, the, the crew that he had, that he didn't, you were a part of it, that he that kind of went with him everywhere. Um, just can you talk about that, the composition of a staff? in the NFL, how you think it should be done, and then also just uh, the trend of hiring younger coaches? Uh, I'll I'll start with the latter part. Where I I thought Bruce did an outstanding job of hiring staff. I mean, the the staff was, you know, Bruce is from the old school, so his loyalty went, he he had a great sense of loyalty to his staff. And and in turn, the, the staff had a great sense of loyalty to him. Um, and it was, like you said, a great mixture of young uh, and old. You know, we had Tom Moore on our staff. I was one of the older guys on staff, believe it or not. Um, and then we had some young guys that, you know, uh, Kevin Garber was our receiver coach, and then Byron Love, which was our offensive coordinator. And on the defensive side, we had some older guys and younger guys. But I think that is crucial. I think that's crucial in the blending of the staff and, and having one goal. And as far as younger guys being hired, I think that that trend starts with who they worked with, Lars. I mean, this this thing in in the uh, in the NFL right now. If you see a lot of guys are getting hired, they have a uh, there's three names that you know they're, they're kind of associated with. It's Shanahan, Gruden, and uh, McVay, and the guys that are being hired. A lot of the guys are being hired. They got uh, that kind of background to them, and that, I think they're offensive coaches, and uh, uh, you know they 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 got. The, the Shanahan McVay Gruden background to him. Rick, favor. We're enjoying yes, this. Sir. Can you hang on another 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, be all glad right. to. Cool. After all, 49 awesome. years, you are retired. <laughs> That's right. You can do it. Deservedly so. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Rick Christoffel. Back with more in just a moment.
This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Hard time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. Dad education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Our guest is Rick Christofel, former with the Bucks College Football. Extraordinary coach there, too. Uh, spent several several years here in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, as we get back to our conversation about football, uh, just narrow it down in the National Football League. I mean, I, you have to consider the obvious, like uh, Kansas City. But um, who are going to be some of the teams give me four or five that you really think will contend for the super bowl i well obviously kansas city you know because they got they got Mahomes. i think the buffalo bills they've got they got things in place you know with josh allen and those guys i i think one of the surprise teams and and, and they started playing a little bit better last year as as the year got on was the detroit lions i thought i thought they got they got some good young talent um I think they're they're pretty good. Um, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, um, they got some people in place and in, in, in the in the good things about them. Um, those those four teams, I think, uh, right off the top of my head, uh, the 49ers will be another team uh, if they if you know if Pert, if Brock Purdy comes back healthy and can throw the ball because they certainly got enough people to win it. Um, but those four or five teams right there, Matt. What are your thoughts on uh, Baker Mayfield coming over to uh, Tampa Bay, your old team, and uh, and him sort of uh, battling it out uh, for to become the, the starting quarterback? Lars, I know when when Baker came out came out of college and then ultimately went with the Browns. I know Bruce really liked. Him. He did some really good things, um, and I think the the year that he had a, a really good year with the Cleveland Browns, Freddie Kitchens was their offensive coordinator and ultimately became their head coach. But when Freddie was calling the plays, it was the offense that we ran, you know, our offense, a lot of the terminology-wise and stuff like that, and that's, that's what his most successful year was. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with this you know, Canales down in in, the, in Tampa, the guy from Seattle. I'm sure they'll run some of what Seattle ran, but I think if they can run the ball and make it and, and do some play action pass with him, uh, I think he can be successful again. And I'm not counting out Kyle Trask. You know, the guy just needs some experience. I think he's got he's got a loads of talent. It's just the getting experience on the field. 
sometimes when my novice eye watches an NFL game, it it, it seems like they're all kind of running out of a basic playbook, you know? They'll they'll right. give it to a running back, they'll throw into the flat, and then they may be able to throw over there. Is is that true? And then, then somebody like you or, or Bruce puts a certain twist to it? I think I think Bruce has got a philosophy. I think it's the biggest thing, um, Matt, is the philosophy. How are you going to approach it? What do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to throw to set up the run, or do you want to run to set up the throw? Uh, and you know, everybody say, "Well, we're going to do fifty fifty now. You can't do fifty fifty, but you're going to do one or the other." I think what you're seeing the trend now, and Lars alluded to this earlier, is with younger coaches, they're bringing some some of the college game into the NFL with a lot of this, uh, what they call RPOs uh, on first, second, and third level. And and with the running quarterbacks, being able to to put pressure on the edge of the defense with a quarterback that can run the ball. What what are your thoughts on Bryce Young? Um, He measured at the combine 5'10", 3'8", 204 pounds. I believe that makes him the uh, lightest weighing quarterback uh, picked, not just number one overall, but I think in the first round in NFL draft history. Do you have concerns about his size, or has that been something that's been a little overblown? Uh, Lars, you know, that that's a, that's a tough question. I don't think, you know, you can go back and start talking about sizes of quarterbacks and everything. Drew Brees played a long time in his size. Um, Baker's you know, not a big guy. I think the bottom line is they're going to have to protect the. You got to protect the quarterback, no matter you are. And if they got some mobility now, uh, which avoids some of the contact, which he does have, maybe he'll be able to avoid some of the contact and, and do those sort of things. But then you go back and look at a guy like Tua. Last year in Miami, it had what two or three concussions and one bad one. Um, you don't want that to happen either. So uh, it. It doesn't concern me if he can get rid of the ball quick and avoid, uh, and they can protect, and, and he can avoid a lot of the contact. Uh, some breaking news here. Excuse me, Rick, to just mention this. It appears that Alabama has hired Maryland's Rob Vaughn, uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year, uh, won the conference this past season. So apparently um, Alabama has a replacement for Coach Bowen. It's not going to be um, – Jason Jackson. So, uh, back to football. You mentioned the concussions and stuff. How much in your years of football has it changed from from helmets to treatment to tents, et cetera? I think the, the biggest thing, Matt, is the guys they have up in the box. Because um, the guy in the box, you know, the referee has control. He has ultimate control. You know, he can do a lot of things. He can make, you know, take a guy and, and say, yeah, he needs to be looked at. But they have every game we have, and I'm sure it's a major cause where they have a guy up in the box, and if they see something that is out of the ordinary, okay, they they can call down and say, look, we need to get that guy out of the game and have him uh, have him sent to the to the uh, tent and be checked out. And, and all those baselines uh, that they've got to do and go through, and, and uh, sometimes I, I, I'm sure, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I said I'm sure some concussions are a lot worse than other ones. Yeah, there's no question about it. And uh, the protocol now is is very, very intact. And uh, we still don't know a lot about it. Don't know uh, uh, nope. uh, enough. Uh, but but at least the effort is being made to continue and, and learn and grow. 
Oh, uh, yes. Go go ahead. Yeah. Lawrence, you got a final question? Um, yeah. Just uh, of all the players, and you've literally coached thousands and thousands. I, I wonder what the actual number is. If we, if you could possibly do the math, um, is there one that sticks out? Not necessarily because of his performance on the field, but maybe just uh, his leadership or the or the bond that you formed with him, either in college or the pros. Oh, Lars, I'd hate to say there's so many guys that I've been fortunate enough to be around that are, you know, just now not just really good football players or great football players, but good people. Um, I'd hate to just point one out and, and, and do that, you know, because there's we were talking. Matter of fact, my wife, Connie, and I were talking about that this weekend about, you know, who was one of my favorites. I just don't you know, I, I can't really say. I mean, uh when you're around a guy like Gronk for two or three years and, and see how he approaches the game and the kind of attitude he has. And I was, I was, uh, fortunate to be around a guy like Cam Brait and then OJ Howard at Tampa, but then at, 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 uh, at Arizona, I was, I was fortunate to be around a guy, Jeremy Grisham, who was, you know, unbelievable guy between the lines and, and, and able to, and help guys like Darren Fells, who stayed around the league for seven, eight years, who was a college basketball player. Uh, it, it, those kind of guys, and then you go back to college, you look at all the guys in college we had. We had a, a, a slew of them at, at UAB. You know, you go back, Brian Thomas, Roddy White, Daryl Acme, all those guys, Eddie Freeman, uh, just a just a, a bunch of guys that we had. So it's it's been, like you said, it's been thousands of guys. So... And um, b- before we let you go, I um, just want to talk to you about uh, uh, female coaches in the NFL and in college. Um, I know Bruce first was exposed to a female coach when he was at Mississippi State. I, I'm not sure. Did you Were you there with Dot Murphy? Uh, uh, no, I wasn't there with Dot the first time. Oh, okay. Um, but at, at Tampa, uh, you had a, a, a Coach Lowe, Lori Locus, uh, offense right. or a, a assistant defensive line coach, and uh, and uh, Morale Hafader, uh, Hafader, yeah. right? Uh, the the <laughs> assistant trainer. I never could pronounce her name. Um, but just uh, do you see this sort of evolving more uh, uh, women? assistant coaches in in the league i i, I do lars and, and and i think bruce and, and i've talked about this i think we have the same outlook or the same thought process on this we want to hire the best person for the job um it doesn't make any difference if it's a, a woman a man uh race ethnicity anything you're going to hire the best person for the job or the best person should be hired for the job uh, in in uh, that's that's the that's the uh, hurdle that a lot of people got to get over. I don't think some people can get over that hurdle right now, but uh, that, that's the way I believe, you know. And uh, I have two, I have three daughters, and and I, I think one or two of them probably could be football coaches because <laughs> they they certainly know a lot about it. But uh, how, how did the players know. respond to uh, Coach Lowe and uh, Morale? Well, I, I think it's a respect factor. It's 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 the largest gone past the, you know, when we were growing up, when you first started, you always feared uh, the authority that you, you were going to get in trouble and things were going to happen because you were going to go home and you were going to get in trouble again. 
But I think now mm-hmm. it's respect. That's that's the thing about the NFL. I I think the great thing about the NFL is if they respect you or you respect them and they respect you, you're going to accomplish a lot. And it goes back to the things you were asking about being successful. I think I think that has a lot to do with it. All right. What are you going to do the rest of the day? Uh, well, I, I'm probably going to go out and grill something on the grill because Connie's not going to cook. So. <laughs> she, said she, you... she said she cooked for 25 years. <laughs> I think I've said this a million times, but um, Lars, his wife, Connie, was um, in the administration at uh, Pazitz Middle School. Right. Oh, yeah. So, right. She had to deal with all three of my children. Oh, uh, wow. One yeah, was I, 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 yeah. and uh, the other two were probably in her office a little bit. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, she, she, she loved them to death, too. Yeah, she, she sure death. did. She, uh, you talking about outkicked your coverage. You did it for four or five games when you married her. Oh, and you got great kids, be- too. Oh yeah, my recruit my recruiting was way beyond that. I, I, <laughs> let me tell you, my my nil money got exhausted on that one. <laughs> well worth the investment. Hey Rick, let's do this again real soon. Thank you and hello to your family. Say the same to y'all. Thank you very much. Right, Matt. Let's do it again, Matt. See you later. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Um, what a guy. Uh, that was great. Yeah, he just he's just wonderful person. Um. You know, his son-in-law played uh, basketball at UAB um, and was a member of that team that beat Kentucky. Uh, I still converse with him. He's a, he's a big NASCAR fan. Just information you probably really didn't need to know, but <laughs> now you have it. You can put it on file. You're listening to Big right. Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Back in a couple of minutes. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. What's up? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 84. Tonight's low, 64. Tomorrow and Wednesday, occasionally cloudy with a good chance of showers and storms both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate uh, her efforts to help keep Big Noon Sports on the air in Tuscaloosa and the Anniston Gaston area as well. Thank you, and remember, uh, you can you can call in this show even this late at uh, 205-342-9904. About to wrap this thing up, Lars. Do you have one thing less, like a dessert for me? Uh, I do not. Um, I'm just seeing that uh, the athletic are letting some people go. And uh, it's a hard thing about our profession, Matt. It it is growing increasingly difficult to um, really stay at one place long enough where you get to the point you're, you're like at the top of your sort of game, so to speak. Right, as a reporter, as a writer, uh, as a as a as a as a television uh, broadcaster, what have you, and then you're just you're making a little too much money, right? And you get let go, and uh, I'm seeing that happen. 
uh, today with uh, some of my friends at The Athletic. And that's just a new reality of uh, sports journalism. But I, 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 I wouldn't let it deter people from getting into it because one upside of this is that there's actually more opportunity for young people uh, in this field than ever before uh, because of what, uh, when, what, what I just described. Um, but still, it, it just hurts for, for my friends that, um, that uh, have been let go. And fortunately, I've always been, I've been able to kind of uh, been the captain of my own ship and making decisions of, of where I go and who I write for. Uh, but increasingly, you know, you're just, you're seeing people let go, including many of our friends, you know, even at, at, at sort of the latter stages of their career, especially the latter stages of their career, again, because of the money factor, uh, the salary factor. But um, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about the profession as a whole? Do you, would you still advise a young person if they have the, uh, the, the desire, the passion, uh, to go for it, or should they, uh, in my in my eyes, sell out and go to law school? Uh, I don't know if that would be my chosen option. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I've often wondered and been in situations somewhat a little bit like this, and I've often wondered um, why, and maybe they do, and I just have never heard of it, but I've never heard of this. Okay, Lars, Matt, you've been with us 30 years got a salary cap issue here i'm gonna have to let you go uh, however if you want to work for a little bit less and get down underneath our cap so we can keep the team together would you do that i don't know that i've ever heard of that happening at our level um i, I know some players have done it in the past um and usually they're not even asked they'll just say hey i'll take this to keep this guy but uh, if you've got a chance to keep a 30-year vet on and they're willing to take, a, I don't know, a 20% cut because they're later in life, they're more established, they got more money, um, I don't know if that's ever offered. Do you? Um, it, you know, it has been at Sports Illustrated in the past. They, they're not doing it anymore. Uh, they would offer these sweetheart packages. Uh, this was like five years ago or so. And uh, anybody was uh, allowed to take them, and it was just uh, based on how much money you had made and, and, and how long you'd been with the company and uh, with Time Inc. Uh, and I ended up taking one of those packages because I had just hit the 20 year mark at Sports Illustrated. And I mean, the, the, the exit deal that they gave me was just incredible. I mean, I essentially got salary for another year uh, without having to work, which is the best way to make a salary, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and I simultaneously, that's when I got hired at Alabama and uh, wanted to transition to writing books and, and teaching and, and, and exploring other mediums like the one we're on right now. Um, so I, I was very, very fortunate, but, um, yeah, it, you know, I, I do know, uh, a lot of people, uh, who are sort of tenured or not tenured, but they're old, they're older in our profession asked to take a pay cut. And I don't know of a single one who has said yes. 
I don't. I mean, I, I know that that's happened many, many times, and maybe someone has somewhere, but I'm sure they have just for the odds. But Matt, I, I've I've not heard of that ever happening of someone. Yeah, I'll take 25% pay cut. Like that. I don't know. Have you heard of that? Oh uh, no, I've never even heard of it being offered. Oh okay, yeah. Well, that's so, that's I, why I Grant. Well, that's why. Be- that's why Grant Wall, our 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 my our, our you know our late friend from Sports Illustrated, that's ultimately why he left SI because they wanted him to take a substantial pay cut, and he uh, he you said know, that no. all depends on what part of life you're in, though. You know, if you've been yeah. around thirty years, you're you're probably an empty nester. You can probably afford to live on a little bit less. Um, but then, to be quite honest with you, it's some of us with ego. Hell no, I'm not taking a pay cut. Look what I've done for you. And oh, I, you mean somebody in the somebody in somebody in sports media has an ego or what? Well, with the exception <laughs> of the show. No, no, I'm just no. I'm saying everybody hey, in sports media has an ego. ego. The ones that have the ego that don't deserve to bolster them, that's the ones I have problems yeah. with. Although some I've, of the really, really good reporters and fo- folks in our industry can be a little less than humble at times. <laughs> that's a charitable way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, squeaky wheel gets the most oil. And uh, those who have egos seem to be the squeaky wheels that somehow get promoted and work their way up and steps on the backs of others. I've seen it firsthand. But, um, yeah, I get that's probably every profession, right? Hey, um, it is. Rob Vaughn is expected to be hired as head baseball coach at the University of Alabama, Bama 24-7. There's where our buddy Mike Rodak is, who will be on the show tomorrow. I almost promise you. Um, Vaughn has won back-to-back titles at Maryland, the Big Ten, They hosted a regional the year before. Um, He is a 2009 graduate from Kansas State. Where he played, what position breeds the most managers and coaches? He was a catcher. Um, And that happens at every single level of baseball. So, apparently, uh, Jason Jackson, who uh, just absolutely did a fabulous job this year, not going to be hired on as the head coach. I think when we were talking with Robbie and you asked him about that, uh, Robbie kind of thought that'd be a good idea. I think we all thought it was a good idea, but we all, we all hesitated to make that a lock um, simply because, I guess, what reason? He hadn't been a head coach before? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I, Just I didn't, know have the, the, didn't have the star power behind his name. As uh, I mean, look, they're, they're getting – it sounds like they're getting the best coach in the Big Ten. I mean, it, this, this it sounds like a, it sounds like a home run hire – uh, just based on the little bit that that I know about about uh, this guy, and so um, yeah, and I'm sure that they uh, had to throw some money at him to to get him out of uh, College Park and and down here to Tuscaloosa. But um, it sounds sounds good, and, and we'll certainly have someone on tomorrow perhaps Robbie uh to dig deeper into the hire and what this means uh to Alabama baseball moving forward and what kind of commitment this shows that Greg Byrne and the athletic department are making to Alabama baseball maybe Vaughn will be baseball's answer to Nate Oates it could happen this guy has a he's really still very young but he has a really nice resume 
uh, as a coach. He was an assistant before being named the head coach at Maryland and has done nothing but win. So we'll see, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow when we do it all again on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Y'all have a great Monday.